On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, we interview Mike Fritcher on how to create margin, avoid burnout, and lead effectively in ministry. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day that the Lord has made. Mike Fritcher is the pastor of Cottonwood Church in Dublin, Texas a native of New Orleans and a graduate of Houston Baptist University and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Mike has been the pastor of Cottonwood since 1985. And under his leadership, Cottonwood has grown from a small rural church to a dynamic community of faith impacting the local community and the world. Cottonwood has sent hundreds of church members overseas to engage the unreached people around the world. Hey, Mike, uh, welcome, and thanks for joining us on the Thriving in Ministry podcast. Thanks, Kyle. It's really, really great to be with uh, you and Dace as well. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Well, at, at least one of us, it's, it's nice to be with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm still technically with you, so. No, well, no I, was, I was trying to cut Dace out of this thing, Mike. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm just looking at him, so. Well, I'm, I'm not much to look at, that's for sure. He didn't come for the looks, that's for sure, but... You know, I'm, I'm excited about this. I mean, Mike, I've known you for over 20 years yeah, now. that's right. And I've, I think I hold the record of being the, the shortest church member, not in height, but as far as length. I think I was here for six weeks before I went somewhere else. I and think so. so. But that was a, a long time ago. Right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was. I was a, a member. I joined Cottonwood, and then six weeks later, I got a job as a youth minister. And so, yeah, that I, I pretty much, they didn't put me under church discipline, but nevertheless. <laughs> great to have you, Mike. And Mike, I want to ask you a question. What, man, what is your life verse and, and why is it your life verse? Yeah, so my life verse is 2 Corinthians 3, actually 2, 17 through 18. Uh, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled faces are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit. Amen. And so I know that verse has really been central to your life and the life of your church. And so just can you tell us a little bit about your ministry, about the church? Sure, sure. So I came to Cottonwood when I was 25 as a seminary student um, up in Fort Worth. And this Cottonwood called us one day to come supply one morning in, in December. And uh, and we showed up and I preached that morning to about 20 people, mostly um, over 50, which is now, not too old now because I'm 61, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, no children, no youth. And um, that night they asked us to be their pastor. And wow. um, I thought, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, when I married my wife, John Ann, she died to a dream of living in the country. And she thought that uh, when, she, well, when she was growing up, that's what she would love to do, to have horses in the middle of nowhere. And of course, I'm from New Orleans, did youth ministry in Houston. And and so I thought, well, I can do this for 18 months. And so I came back to the five deacons that represented 10 couples and said, hey, we'd love to be your pastor. But I graduated in 18 months and uh, I'm headed to either the North Shore of, uh, of, of Lake Pontchartrain or back to West Houston to plant churches. And uh, they said, well, that's about how long our pastors stay. So just come on. <laughs> and so we settled in and I uh, finished seminary. And uh, two years later, the church went from 30 to 90. I just was stunned. Um, I just felt like there's this church has been around since 1908. It's never run over 20 its whole history. 
and so just through the through those years, I mean, it just kind of grew like sometimes 20 people a year and sometimes 150 a year. So today we service about uh, right about before COVID, right about 800, um, anywhere from, you know, 400 to, you know, over 500 that would attend on a, on a Sunday. So um, so that that's it. I've got eight staff um, with me. Uh, we 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 have about 167 years of ministry at Cottonwood uh, <laughs> together. So it's a very healthy place. Um, you know, my missions pastor has been with us 22 years. My youth group pastor, 20. My women's leader, 22. Uh, and, and you all of these hires actually have been internal. right? Yeah, right, right. They all came up from within. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a that's an unusual situation for most churches, honestly, to retain staff that long, and then also for everybody to be members first and then come up through the church. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's just how it's worked with us. Yeah. Well, hey, Mike, I want to get into it. We are trying a new format here on the Thriving in Ministry podcast, where we ask pastors and church leaders four questions. And so every week we are going to be asking pastors the same four questions because we believe that people want to be encouraged in their ministry and hear authentic conversations. And so how do you make sure that that you have margin in your life so that you can effectively do ministry? So the first thing is I ask for it. Um, I ask God for that kind of balance, that kind of boundary, I guess you would say. Um, and I and I think the thing that has really come to me very early in ministry here is what I just call defaulting to the one thing. Um, you know, just uh, to me, there's one thing. Um, and it's the presence of God. Um, it's his presence in my life. It's his leadership in my life. And so I think about Luke 10 with Martha and Mary and Martha was, you know, Martha, Martha was so busy ministering to Jesus. And Mark, Mary was moreover sitting at the Lord's feet, um, listening to his word. And Martha was pretty upset and said, you don't care uh, all the ministry I'm doing right now. Um, tell my sister to help, to help me. And, and he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing's necessary. And she's chosen the good part that will never be taken away from her. And then, you know, you go to Psalms and 27.4 and David would say, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of his temple. And then Paul, in the context of having this intimate, growing knowledge and knowing Jesus, would say, one thing I do, I forget what lies behind and I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, which I believe is to know him. And so that's, that, uh, this has really been a very practical, um, it's, a, it's, it's in the fight, it's in the mind, it's in the heart. And um, and so I've just really tried to practice through the last, gosh, uh, the 30, uh, at least 33 years, um, just that that thought. Well, I choose the one thing because we I think in ministry, I can get very confused about what the one thing is. You know, I, I grew up saying, well, the main thing is the Great Commission. Well, one day the Great Commission is going to be gone. <laughs> We're going to be in heaven forever. And I think if you if you choose the one thing as the Great Commission, that you can really, really subtly that can become your idol. It can be where you find your identity in, and so um, or ministry like me. That's that's all I've done all my life. You know, 
that uh, so so the thought is is that just kind of goes across lines. And even if I preach this to our people um, who are in business or other ministry or you know teachers or police officers, you know, this whole thought of man what, to choose this one thing. Um, I, I think about that in as far as the presence of God, you know, just. And I, I, I talked about that just a minute ago, about just this whole thought about God satisfying me with him. Um, you know, when I think about God's presence, I think about in his presence, his fullness of joy. God told Moses, my presence is going to go with you. I'm going to give you rest. And Moses got, says to God, oh, if you don't lead us, um, if you don't go with us, um, don't lead us because your presence is how we know your favor. And it distinguishes us from the rest of the world. And then he would say, show me your glory a couple of verses later. And God would say, yes. And so he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. And so the Lord God passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sins. And of course, I, I just think about those things, about just this presence of God. And will I, as a, a man, as a husband, as a dad, as a grandfather, as a pastor, reflect that presence, reflect that character? Um, and I just, I, you know, I just think that this is what has sustained me through the years um, when there have been very difficult things. Um and really, the most difficult things hasn't been what we've seen has changed. I mean, I had a, uh, a woman who was the worship leader named Fanny Chambers for, since she was 19 years old. And um, in her 70s, she could walk into the building and there's this gray haired lady worship worse leading with a full band behind her, um, a, a complete contemporary service, you know. And so, I mean, we've, we've gone through the, you know, the change in worship. We've gone from um, staff led to elder led. We've gone from no missions to, I mean, going to the, you know, sending not only 600 people, but over a thousand people on, on mission around the world without a fight. Those weren't the stressful things. You know? So this thing, choosing the one thing and making sure it's the right thing uh, that I'm choosing that is really giving me the margin in my life and my ministry. Yeah, Mike, that's great and so rich. I appreciate you sharing that. And I want to ask another question, Mike, and we ask all our ministry leaders, you know, what do you do to avoid burnout? And so I think you shared a bit about that, but could you elaborate on specific things you do? I know you meet with sometimes upwards of 40 people yeah. a week. And so your schedule, I mean, how do you yeah. avoid that? Burnout? So, so from you know, the way God wired me, I mean, I would just as well, spend time with people as I would spending time studying and preaching. So I think one of the things would, would just kill me if someone said he's a great preacher, but a lousy pastor. Um, I would much rather be known as a, a good pastor and a lousy preacher. And so um, pastoring is very much alive in my life. Um, and it has been even since my teenage years. And so, yeah, I'll see, uh, 30 to 40 people a, a week, men or couples or folks that are in groups now. And I just stay p busy knowing my sheep. And, um, you know, I can honestly say I know 700 people. Okay. I mean, I know them. 
And if Kyle, if you'd come to our church and you were hungry or hurting um, or even healthy, just wanting to move on with the Lord, I mean, uh, you'd have a relationship with me at some point, you know? And so, but that can be a, a, a burnout. That can be a, a burden. Um, so, um, you know, the first question you asked, you know, I answered, I asked for it. Uh, and then this, the, I guess the answer to this question is, is that I just, I just thank God for everything. Mm. Um, let me just tell you what that means for me. So a few years ago, um, oh, I'll just give you a context. So I journal and I've journaled since I was 17 years old. And um, my birthday is October 21st. So every October I buy a new journal and I just spend a couple of days before evaluating my year, where I've been. And that's usually just kind of like on the, you know, the goals that I had the year before on the back of my journal, you know, and, um, and back in, I guess, 2011, I just decided I'm not, I'm not, I want to do that this year. Um, I just, this year, I want my life to just be about four things. And the first one was, I, I want to thank God for everything. Uh, good, bad, ugly, hard, difficult. I just want to thank you, Lord. Cause in Thessalonians 5:19, you say in everything, give thanks. But this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the second thing is, is I wanted to confess in every circumstance that he's Lord, that he's sovereign, that he's king. Um, and then the third thing is I just want to love well through every circumstance, whether it's God, my neighbor, one another. And then the fourth thing was I just want to be led by the spirit of God. And um, I want to tell you uh, guys that this thank you business, uh, after about the fourth week, um, I I just began saying, gosh, I just supernatural things happen when you thank God for everything. I've had this thing for years about, you know, the, the prompt of just, you're Lord of this, Lord. You are the Lord of it. And that has just been a sustaining thing through the years. But I'm just telling you through the last, you know, 10 years, this thanking God has truly, truly uh, transformed me. Now, I'm wired different. I mean, I don't take a day off, but I take time off. And I learned this from a pastor who, I, he wasn't my pastor, but I was just asking him, what does he do about day off? And he said, well, I don't take a day off. I take time off. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some years of my life, man, I'm running 50, 60, 65 hours a week and trying to make things happen. Last few years, I just feel like... Um, that I get to a place where I'm not going to try to make something happen. So like if I work, if I got a men's group at 630 in the morning and I've got a lunch and it's two o'clock and I head home. When I head home, I live on 50 acres. I've got about 20, two, two or three miles of trail. I walk every day, three to five miles a day. The journaling helps me. Um, but I'm just going to say that I, what helps me the most is this, defaulting to these things. I don't know if that makes sense. I know that when I talk to some pastors about some of these things about ministry, it's like, I don't know if I want to hear that. I want to, I want to hear how, you know, give, give me a, a Rick Warren answer about how you agree to church. But I just believe with all my heart that, that this in so many ways is how we've seen health and growth in our church. Well, Mike, I appreciate you sharing about uh, your thankfulness routines and even your patterns around your personal health. Uh, But let me ask you, how are you working to improve 
your effectiveness and your leadership, whether it be in yourself, your team, or your church? Okay, so I, I lead from a transformational and devotional way. If you'd ask me what my strategy is, um, I would say my strategy is I don't have strategy. Really, it, it, it's just a little deeper than that, because I, I believe that the message that I preach and teach is that Jesus comes to remove every wound that you've ever had, and he comes to conform you into his image. And this whole piece of God's glory being, in my mind, the image of Christ that Moses saw is what I want to reflect. And so I'm trying to lead my people from a, a Christ-likeness, I guess, I don't know, Christ-likeness foundation. Of if, if I'm being transformed from glory to glory, and is my leadership, is that happening in my people's lives? Um, am I seeing them transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ? And do they believe that? Do they believe that that's what Jesus comes to do? They just they come to come into my life to get my ticket punched, sliding into home. I mean, just this whole thought of Christ being fully formed in you. And so I just want to love these folks, the places God wants them to be, which really where they want to be. So I, that, that's my definition of leadership, loving folks, the places God wants them to be. So from lost to saved, saved to growing, growing to ministry, from a bad marriage to good marriage, from good marriage to great marriage, depressed to finding victory. I think mean, just go on and on and on about who, who Jesus is and what Jesus comes to do in our lives. And I just feel like, man, I'm just, I want to lead from love. I want to lead from um, uh, this love that begins with this compassion with this loving kindness of God, uh, this graciousness, this forgiveness. So um, that's what I do. And I think about my own health and my own emotional stability because through the years have dealt with some low times. But again, this whole thought of choosing the one thing, being grateful for everything. And then here's this thought of just, am I being transformed? Am I reflecting this great God? who saved me? Am I reflecting that as a husband? Uh, am I reflecting that as father God to my children? And I just feel like that just kind of overflows. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a formula. It's just something that comes out of your life. And I'm going to tell you this, that puts so much pressure off of us. If you're a pastor, listen to this. I always say, take this pressure off of you about being everything to everybody but just simply reflecting him. So that's how I'm trying to lead. I'm trying to lead through a position of love. First Corinthians 13, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. And the new commandment is to love one another as Jesus loves us. So well, that's powerful, Mike. And Kyle, you can tell why I love to hang out with Mike Fritcher. It's always encouraging. It's always refreshing. And Mike, I've got one more question for you today, and that is, you know, what's one thing that you wish you had known earlier in ministry? And, and once again, that can be 10 years or it can be at the beginning, just somewhere that was another pivot or change that was really transformational in your life. I just, I, I really think about this whole thought of the one thing. I feel like if I'd have known that um, in youth ministry, because one of the things that brought really a, a depression to me was out of those two, 300 kids that came to Christ, 100 baptized, yeah, yeah, I just didn't, I don't know what happened to them. And it was a depressing thing, you know, and, and sometimes when you make it about evangelism and you make it about these things, you can really get somebody to pray a prayer and pray it pretty quick. 
Um, and so I wish I would have walked through that. I wish I'd have known that, 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 man, I want to choose this one thing and I want the rest of my life, ministry, mission, great commission, all those things come out of that. Wow. This has been great, Mike. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really am grateful to be here. I, you know, we, we have a, uh, an app called Cottonwood Life that you can find um, just some of the things that we do. And then my phone number is 254-485-6545. If you want to chat with me some more, I would love for you to uh, give me a shout, give me a call. I'll answer your call pretty quick. Um, I'm just really grateful to be here. Well, thanks once again to Mike Fritcher as we talked about the four questions. And Dace, here's what I'm thinking about. Uh, after listening to Mike, I mean, he said a couple things that really stuck out to me. Uh, one, he said, you know, it's not a self-directed life, but a God-centered life. Uh, but then he also said, you know, loving folks on where God wants them to be. So Dave says, we're talking about this and, and what uh, we get to do through the Thriving Ministry Podcast and DailyPastor.com. And how did this resonate with you, this conversation with Mike Pritchard? Well, Mike and I have different skill sets, that's for sure. But Mike is definitely the type of pastor I want to be. I mean, every time I'm around him and the things that he says, particularly the one thing I can look back in my years of ministry now coming up on my ninth year of full-time ministry. And, and I'm like, man, if I had focused on the one thing instead of trying to meet a, a unchanging or a, I guess an unrelenting list of demands and expectations of others, if I can focus on the intimacy with Christ, it's just changes everything. And so, yeah, it's just been so encouraging. Right. And I, I think another thing that Mike talked about, and certainly focus was one of them, but he also talked about kind of this this overflow, serving from a place of overflow. Yeah. And that's something that we had talked to Carl Walker about in one past episode, but this yeah. serving from a place of overflow. And I think uh, many times in ministry, for those pastors and church leaders listening who are are struggling with burnout or, or wanting to stay healthy, create margin, all the things we talk about here, serving from a place of overflow only really comes through your relationship with God, yeah. right? And I think that's the incredible focus that Mike shared with us today was to have that intense focus on your personal relationship with Christ yeah. and then serving from a place out of that overflow where we truly do get to love others because we loved God first. Well, no doubt. And man, it's been encouraging as always. And uh, just uh, just great to spend time with Mike today. And as always, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast as we interviewed Mike Pritchard on the four questions. Pastors, church leaders, hey, we want you to be encouraged. And the best way to do that is to subscribe to this podcast and to visit dailypastor.com where you can get additional resources. And we have some other content there that I know you're going to want to check out. That's right. And if you have any questions, be sure to email us at thedailypastor at gmail.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a blessed day. You know, I have a tendency to believe that, that pastors are susceptible to getting wounded and to getting hurt or disappointed by people in their church. And so, well, well I, I think it like this, is that um, most people have wounds. I mean, most yeah. people have daddy wounds. Yeah. I mean, they just do. I, I just did the, uh, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and that John, part of John's ministry is, is, um, is, is a ministry that turns the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. And... 
And I'm just telling you, it's just most people I deal with have a daddy wound yeah. and, um, and, and have been wounded over and over and over. And when they begin to quit condemning their dad or that person, and then, you know, and then they quit condemning and then they forgive and they walk and they all of a sudden, the dad starts showing up. I mean, it's just the weirdest thing. I mean, it's just the weirdest thing about just they show up and they show up with sometimes remorse. And I'm going to say it happens all the time, but I see it a lot in people's lives. And, um, you know, and I just feel like um, that that there's lots of pastors who are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70 with eight-year-old wounds still eight-year-old wounds and yeah. looking for identity and so what happens is is we look in identity with our with with our the, how successful we are yeah. and, or how people tell us we're successful in ministry yeah. which is totally different from god's economy and god's standard and god's scorecard because you all know i mean we could we can grow a church to 100 and from 30 to 100 and they still don't love one another and then grow it to a thousand they still don't love one another and you know um you know, they don't even know each other, let alone love one another. So, um, I mean, let me just share the prayer with you real quick. It's, Father, I confess that I've not loved the following people who have hurt and disappointed me. I've held unforgiveness in my heart towards, they name the name, and then for, and they fill in the blank. Lord, this is sin. I ask that you forgive me from this bitterness, anger, and wrath that I've walked in. I know that on my own I can never forgive them, but I can but you can through me. So right now, by an act of my will, according to your spirit, and by your power, I choose to forgive, and I release them of the dead. By your power, I'll no longer walk in agreement with bitterness and unforgiveness. In the name of Jesus, I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. I choose to put on love. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. And as you have forgiven, so I will forgive. Thank you for this power. Thank you for this freedom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, I just, man, I, I just tell you that uh, this has been a part, part and parcel of who we are as a church. Uh, when you think that the greatest virtue of the kingdom is God's unaccept, I mean, his, his, uh, his unconditional love and acceptance that while we were sinners and while we were ungodly and while we were enemies and while we were doing our own thing, he died for us. And to think about this great compassion that we speak of in the character of God that he starts with and then ends with, I forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin, and I want to reflect that. I want to